Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. They call it sliding doors, when something ordinary happens that nonetheless changes the future. At the Rio Olympics, though, something extraordinary happened and impacted the future of one of Team GB's best and ultimately could have dealt a knockout blow to Olympic boxing. I'm Michael. And I'm John, and this is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast. We'll be discussing the match-fixing revealed in Rio in another Richard McLaren report He really finds the dirt, doesn't he? As he did after Sochi 2014 and the systematic state-sponsored doping by Russia. And we're joined by an Olympic champion, a three-time Olympic gold medalist, in fact, to discuss the utter relief of that achievement and what comes next for Britain's greatest ever gymnast. I'm talking, of course, about Max Whitlock. As always, we'll round up some of the other sporting headlines you might not have heard about. Rowing, hockey, judo, badminton and the latest ahead of the Beijing Winter Olympics. Another Olympic champion planning more glory. And as ever, you can get in touch with us at Anything But F on Twitter. Join the debate, the conversation there. You can message us, find us on Instagram or on Facebook. We're online, our website, anythingbutfooty.com. There's a contact us form on that website or just drop us an email, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. Our Max Whitlock interview to come shortly, but we'll start with boxing, one of my favourite Olympic sports, as you may already know. And the latest damning report into world-class sport and that sliding doors moment. Joe Joyce winning a silver medal instead of a gold because someone decided beforehand, not in the ring, who was going to win. And Joe Joyce has insisted that he should win this Olympic boxing gold medal from Rio 2016. And he's demanded the sports officials overturn his defeat in the wake of this vote-rigging scandal that emerged a few days ago. Once again, it's all about Professor Richard McLaren. He is sports top criminal investigator and he's found problems in the decision to call the super heavyweight final in favour of Tony Yoka of France 
in Rio, who was Joyce's opponent in the final. Now, Joe Joyce has made some very valid points here, of course. I mean, he said some points about some slightly flippant points that maybe now he'll get his gold post box. Maybe now he'll get upgrades on British Airways. He'll get the MBE and all the other things that come with the currency of being an Olympic gold medalist, of course. But I think the bigger point here is what is the future for boxing at the Olympics? And Joe Joyce has been, you know, very forward in saying that he thinks that boxing needs to stay on the programme. It shouldn't be scrapped for Paris in 2024. It is one of the historical Olympic sports. It's a great sport, I think, for the Olympics in the way that it unfolds with those finals, of course, always in the the last few days. And we're very successful at boxing at the Olympics in this country as well. So I think from that point of view, Rob McCracken and his crew at the English Institute of Sport in in Sheffield would love to see the sport stay on the programme. But I do think there is this issue, isn't there? Um, Because it's always going to be an issue in sports like gymnastics, like boxing, whereby you are winning or losing medals on the judgment of an official and therefore despite the officials taking their oath in the opening ceremony it's always open to interpretation a different scoring system you'll recall was used in london in 2012 and uh, on that occasion there was more of a computerized system and they were basically awarding points for for blows landed but they decided it led to less interesting bouts. And so they reverted back to the the judging system for Tokyo. And now they will look at this, and I'm sure that Joe Joyce will get his gold medal. Um, Remember the Irish boxer as well who went out in the quarterfinals. He was absolutely furious with the decision. Um, We're going to have to put an asterisk, aren't we, beside the, the Rio 2016 boxing results? I wonder, Michael, the governing body was, of course, stripped of staging the event in Tokyo because of these allegations that were that they were investigating before. And and the organisers, I think the IOC, set up their own kind of boxing federation, effectively, to make sure that the Tokyo boxing uh, took place. You were right. They've also threatened to throw them out of Paris 2024 and, and LA 2028 as well. I wonder, actually, though, whether this is, and I mentioned the Russians earlier, about state-sponsored doping, where they put their hands through the wall, change the urine sample, etc., etc. Actually bribing someone to change the result of sport is even actually worse, I think. I think this actually is a bigger scandal than, than drugs. And I never thought I'd be sitting here talking to you about the fact that something would be bigger than what Russia did in Sochi in, in 2014. But we were in Rio. And I, I remember Michael Conan, the Irish guy, really having a go, saying it's corrupt, this is a disgrace, he got kicked out of the quarterfinals and he, and he blamed the, the governing body for it. But we didn't pay any attention to him. We thought he was just a bad loser. But his, and this is where the sliding door stuff comes in that you've mentioned, his career has totally changed from that, whoever those people were. And I think it's about 11 fights, isn't it, in total that they've looked through and they're they're, they're investigating. And we're expecting more from McLaren uh, later on this year into this investigation. But his life has changed. Joe Joyce, as you say, I mean, he was being flippant about it, but he hasn't had the rewards of it. It has been different. His life has changed by one person being bribed by another person. And in, in some ways, for me, that's even more dodgy and dirty and disgraceful than what happened with doping. 
Yeah, and you're right in saying that I think this is just the tip of the iceberg because I think McLaren, uh, the report has basically said that some of the people involved, some of the suspects involved in this, only gave up their voting sheets last week. So there will be some more investigations um, required here. Uh, but they have confirmed pretty much that the Joyce result was, and the, the phrase is, in all probability fixed. So there has to be some kind of criminal investigation into this as well, I think. Um, but for for one man, like you say, and we're going to talk Winter Olympics very shortly. You know, we we saw a retrospective bronze medal being given to to the British bobsleigh team, didn't we, a couple of years ago, um, dating years and years back. Now, bobsleigh in this country, and we'll go on and talk about this, is still picking up the pieces mm. from what they thought was a fifth place at that Olympic Games. Had they been awarded that bronze medal at the time, their funding may well have continued. And the programme might be in a very different place as it is now, where at the moment we have, and as I said, we're going to talk about this more shortly, we've got these two independent bobsleigh teams. So, yeah, for Joe Joyce and for others, you know, it's a a sliding doors moment, a defining moment in their career. Fortunately, Joe Joyce has bounced back from it. He was disappointed. Um, I think a gold medal would would have been an enhancement on what he's done since. But the fact is he's still been able to make a career in boxing and been able to make some money, been able to make a living. And hopefully he will be remembered and go down as, as you know, one of our, our British Olympic boxing heroes. And, you know, he'll have his, his picture on the wall, as we always talk about in Sheffield. All the medalists get their picture on the wall in Sheffield at the gym there. He's there by rights, but they might just have to upgrade the colour next to his name now. And I think very quickly, just the fact that London, you could tell who was winning because the judges were marking it every time. As you say, you you, you got a hit effectively or someone landed a punch. And so you could tell who was winning during the bouts. Obviously, that changed in Rio and it, and it wasn't the same in Tokyo. But when we were watching Taekwondo, Michael, in, in, in Tokyo, you knew who was winning. You knew that when a, a, how many points you would get if you landed a head kick, if you landed a punch into the body. And I think as as viewers, and maybe this is something the IOC needs to think about ahead of Paris, is is that really clear? Well, this is the points you get, and the and these are the way that you know you are winning. So it's not one person's decision, as you rightly say. We will talk about the Winter Olympics and and the judging of ice dance and figure skating when we were growing up. No one had a clue, and and it was like Eurovision. You always knew that certain people would vote for certain people. That is ultimately not what sport is about. And I I think that clarity of taekwondo, boxing really needs to look at that. And yeah, taekwondo is a terrific example that you make there. It was so exciting to watch. You saw the scores ticking away, didn't you, in Tokyo in the corner of the screen. You knew what was going on. Yes, there's an appeals procedure in taekwondo. And of course, you know, coaches can come forward and the taekwondo athletes can come forward and appeal decisions. Maybe that is the system uh, that boxing needs to look at, something along those lines in order to stay on that Olympic programme. Sliding doors, very quickly. One of the greatest British movies ever. Made by that chap in Bread. Joey. Yeah, exactly. Peter Howitt. And it had an up-and-coming star, um, Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, she was, like, literally unknown. And the hugely talented John Hanna, who I know you're a, you're a huge fan of. And just a quick story on this. They go to a pub where they do rowing and singing. And it's right on Hammersmith Bridge near the Oriel Kensington Boat Club. It's something like the Blue Anchor or something like that. It is an incredible part of London. If you ever get the chance to walk up and down the towpath 
of the Thames around Hammersmith Bridge. I highly recommend it. I spent five years of my working life doing that for LBC. Maybe I should tell you a story one day and write it down and tell you about my uh, my life on the River Thames covering the boat race for five years. But I watched that movie and every time I'm like, I've been there, I know that pub, it's a great place. Who knew we were doing this podcast with Barry Norman? <laughs> Or, or some more modern uh, movie critic that our, our younger audience might actually have heard of. Can you talk about gymnastics, please? It would be a much more comfortable place for me. <laughs> now, Max Whitlock, of course, won two historic goals in Rio before returning to the delayed Tokyo Games this summer to retain one of those titles, the Pommel Horse. So what is next? And could it be true that an Olympian or Paralympian won't win spotty this year. That's Sports Personality of the Year for the uninitiated or non-Barry Normans. Now, I caught up with Max as he opened the recently brand new Harpenden Leisure Centre. Yeah, so it's the official opening of the One Life Centre here in the area, which incredible. For, for me, as a gymnast, you know, I've done gymnastics for many years now, as you would know, you know 21 years. Um, for me, it kind of comes naturally to kind of lead that kind of active and healthy lifestyle but my mission outside of sport is to kind of help people encourage people motivate people to do the same get more active get more healthy and I think anything that goes in line with that I think our mission is completely aligned so opening this facility close to my um, local area where I grew up uh, really really close which is really nice is going to bring you know a lot to the community and a lot to a lot of people in this area which is amazing. And you've had a tour. It's brand spankingly I new. Know, I know. It's nice to see. I mean, I've just yeah had a had a tour, seen the pool, seen the gym. Everything's so spacious. Everything's so nice. Like you say, you can't beat a new facility. Nice and fresh. And uh, like like I said, I think a lot of people will be very happy coming. I think I think keeping active, keeping um, healthy is all about creating good habits and having a nice environment to do so that's accessible for a lot of people around the, around the area. So it's a lovely, lovely area and I think it will invite a lot of people here for, for them to create those good habits and, and keep them up for, for many years to come. You mentioned, of course, that you are a professional athlete, three-time <laughs> Olympic champion. This is what you do. Mm. But how important is it that people like me, person down the road, yep. that your neighbour everybody is active it's massively important and it doesn't take a lot that that's the most important thing to realize you know a lot of people think um you know they need to they need to do more exercise they need to do more of this do more of that and sometimes it can become quite daunting or quite stressful for a lot of people and i think it's just about doing a little bit regularly that's all it's about and i think everybody knows the benefits everyone knows how good it is for them but it's hard to do it um and i think it's about making that start so i think you know that's why new facilities putting up in great areas um, where there isn't many around as well going to help those people in that area to think you know maybe what maybe I can start because it's made it a bit easier for them people Um, but I think it's you know everyone knows those benefits but it's that start that's really hard and it's the keeping on going you know having that motivation but you just got to set some targets um, whether it's by Christmas you want to achieve this or you want to feel better in yourself or any small targets um, to help you kind of make it sustainable really. Be honest, is this the first time you've been in a gym since Tokyo? <laughs> um, it's one of the very few. Yeah, I've been to, you know, visit and see everybody. Um, but actually to do something in terms of training, um, I haven't yet. I think it's important to have that break. Um, and like I said, like it's, it's important to keep it up, make sure it's sustainable. But it's also important to have those breaks. And for me, after, you know, a, a big event like Tokyo, um, it's, it's about giving yourself time, giving myself time just to reflect 
um, go and see everyone that um, has supported me to get to this point, enjoy the kind of moment and then wait for that itch, that motivation to really, that fire in my belly to kick back in um, and get going for some more. I think when you spoke to us after winning the gold in Tokyo, you said mainly you were relieved. Has, yeah. <laughs> when you look back now, has that changed? Has your memories of it changed? Or um, I think the relief feeling is still there because it's there's still that feeling of, I still can't believe that kind of happened you know and when you think about that it's just just crazy the whole build up and I think you know everyone knows that the challenges we've been through the last year and a half or how, however long it is I think you know getting getting the hang of time frames is quite difficult these days but um just that whole build up everything that kind of led towards that moment whether or not you know the Olympics was going ahead or not and it did and then it went amazingly well um and you know as a team of gymnasts but as a team of G- GB and for me as an individual um I can look back now and be massively grateful so I think the feeling of relief um just being grateful that it went ahead um it went to plan even better than planned you know I I'd done everything I could do you know the 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 feeling is is crazy but I don't think it will ever kind of sink in because previous results hadn't so you know I wouldn't expect it to sink in um I really wouldn't but it feels still feels amazing just on that you were in Rio uh, and London how different was Tokyo or did you actually did it just become normal um no it, it was different it was different in a in, in many ways, I think a lot of people can imagine, you know, the, the different protocols that you had to go through every day, the daily testing, the restrictiveness, you know, with not going outside at some points at all. Didn't want to mix with Japanese public at all, which I completely understand. And I think it was just almost a little bit of a scary time because the fear that if you do catch COVID, then that's your Olympic dream over. Um, so it was about just making sure you were safe, everyone surrounding you was safe, the whole team was safe, everybody. Um, so it was a little bit different. No spectators in the audiences, very, very different. You know, you walk out, it feels like an Olympics. You can see the Olympic rings um, printed you know, everywhere, but it's quiet, which is really, really strange. So I think it was all about kind of you know, using our skills, what we've had to learn and adapt to over the last year and a half and actually applying them to to that, to that kind of pressured environment. So, you know, it, it feels nice now knowing that I've competed under so many different environments, including one like that, which we couldn't prepare for, really. Everyone wants to know who's going to win Sports Personality of the Year. Can <laughs> can, it, can anyone beat Emma Redacanu? I'm not sure. In Olympic she's... year, it can't, be, it can't be a non-Olympic athlete, can it? I, I, I know what you're saying. I do know what you're saying. What she's achieved is incredible. But like you say, there's, there's been a, a, a lot of amazing, amazing athletes, a lot of amazing results this, this year, like, like the same many years. I feel like what, it, what we can all be proud of is that we are a nation that's now good at sport. You know, when even you're asking that question, is an incredible place for our, uh, as a nation to be. You know, we've got a lot of contenders in that, and um, yeah, I mean, she's done incredibly well. But you know, so have a lot of others. So it'll be an exciting night. At least you don't have to vote. Well, you can <laughs> vote, but we don't know who you're going to vote for. Yeah. Uh, final one, then. You mentioned about getting that drive back, and mm. and then you'll get back. Commonwealth Games next year, yep. and the World Championships in Liverpool, yep. and then Paris. I only say it's three years away, but that's a long time. But is that what you're thinking? I, I would love to. Um, three Olympic Games was uh, a kind of a huge, pr- huge proud moment. If I could make it four, that would be incredible. And like you say, Commonwealth Games, uh, World Championships next year. Like there's, there's, there's no kind of time to rest. You know, we've got a little bit of time now, definitely, but there's not too long. It'll be here before we know it. And and like you say, three years. Yeah, it feels like a long time now, but actually, it will be here in no time. I've noticed that every single time. And with a shorter cycle, actually, my age, 28 years old as a gymnast, um, a three-year cycle helps me 
me out. So, you know, I'll just give this time some, you know, I give I give myself some some time to fully reflect, like I said, do what I've been doing and um, and wait for that fire in my belly to kind of kickstart back in and taper back in and, and see what I want to be ready for. Well, we can't wait to see you back. Thank you Thanks so too. much for talking to us. Appreciate that. Thank you. Brilliant interview there that uh, John carried out with Max Whitlock at the opening of the new Harpenden Leisure Centre. Harpenden, of course, was the town where I grew up in. So I know it very well, a bit like you and that pub on the River Thames. And Harpenden, coincidentally, although I don't live there and haven't lived there for 25 years, is the town that you now live in. So I remember Harpenden Leisure Centre and I remember the outdoor swimming pool in Harpenden. No. So to see, to see these... My uh, my mum used to run the ice cream shop at the outdoor swimming wow. uh, pool in Harpen. It was one of my first jobs working there. God, this has got a bit left field this week, hasn't it? <laughs> anyway, so to see these new facilities springing up in, in the town that I know so well and to see the likes of Max Whitlock there, uh, you know, absolutely fantastic. And I'll talk more later on about what Max has been saying about, you know, being part of that solution about getting the nation fit and healthy. And, you know, that would be the bigger and, and better legacy, I think, for him than, than any gold medal that he's won at the Olympic Games and to use that platform of those gold yeah. medals that he's won in order to be able to do that. On the subject of Sports Personality of the Year, though, yeah. Emma Raducano, uh, great shout, obviously, um, for a terrific run in the, the US Open. And I think uh, the viewers of Sports Personality of the Year have shown over the years they do like and enjoy their tennis. Yeah. I think there is a similar demographic there. Andy Murray, the only ever three-time winner of Sports Personality of the Year. Greg Rosetsky won Sports Personality of the Year. Didn't even have to win a major <laughs> tournament back in, in 97. I think Tim Hemmen was second that year as well. Virginia Wade has won it as well. So I do think there will be a groundswell of opinion uh, for Emma Raducanu, um, who would be an amazing winner from what we've seen of her tennis and what we've seen of her off-court. She was at an LTA initiative recently promoting tennis to young people straight after a victory as well, which is fantastic to see. Um, but we are a, a Paralympic and Olympic sport podcast, so I would like to see one of our Paralympic or Olympic champions uh, get Sports Personality of the Year this year. I, I would give it to Tom Daly, personally, for... That. <laughs> for winning the gold medal in Tokyo and everything else um, that he's given to his sport and everything else that he does away from his sport as you know well. My, but yeah. you, you know my issue with that is that we haven't had a female winner since 2006. Sarah Story would be a, another terrific shout. You know, Laura has Kenny. to be shortlisted. Laura Kenny, Hannah Cockcroft. You know, you've got you've got a lot of you know very strong names there, but. Yeah, the pull of Emma Raducanu um, might be just a little bit too strong for everyone. You might see, you know, away from, from the sports we talk about regularly, but you might see, obviously, someone like Lewis Hamilton win another world championship. I think he won last time, so you would probably put him on the shortlist again. Harry Kane. You may see a golfer come through in, you know, late season and and potentially put themselves up there. I know that the majors are kind of done and dusted now. Um, Harry Kane, yeah. I mean, I think the the look back at the football in the summer will feature very heavily, but they didn't win. They didn't win. And that, <laughs> no. that for me, always irks me slightly. Um, yeah, yeah, you I know, I'll, throw, I'll throw another name at you, Mark Cavendish, who's, who's won it before. Had a terrific Tour de France, you know, record-breaking. Um, there are so many names. They're going to have to go with the extended shortlist, long list, as it will be this year, I think. Uh, I think we only I had think six last year. Yeah, I think they're going to have to... Uh, look, normally, 
in Olympic year, an Olympian wins it. So 2016 was Andy Murray. 2012 was Bradley Wiggins. Chris Hoy, 2008. You can see where, where I'm going. I just Kelly Holmes. Kelly Holmes. Uh, Steve Redgrave. Yeah, Redgrave in 2000. I can't say... 1996, Damon Hill. But let's move over that one. Um, I can't see anyone beating Raducanu, though. I, I'm, I'm a huge tennis fan, as you know. The, what, has she, what she has achieved, and we talked about it after Wimbledon and said, don't build her up too much. Let her go and do her thing. And she did. She didn't go to the Olympics. They could have rushed her and said, look, Conta's out. Do you want to come and com- compete in the Olympics? They didn't do that, which I think was the right thing. She went over to America. She she trained out there. She got into a winning way, going through the qualifiers. What she has done, and the fact that nobody has ever won a Grand Slam as a qualifier, ever, in men's or women's tennis. It is groundbreaking, and she's British, and she will win Sports Personality of the Year. Now, that said... All the other people we've mentioned should have a claim to it as well. And Tom Daly should be very much up there, I agree. Tom Daly, when he went to his first Olympics, Emma Raducanu was five. (laughs) So for nothing else, longevity and uh, a career full of medals uh, deserves, as far as I'm concerned, um, to be noted on the night. I Just final point on Sports Personality of the Year. I think it's the closest we have in this country to the Oscars. Yeah. And people look at me a bit bizarrely when I say that. They're like, Oscars is, is movies. And you'll know that. Barry Norman um, sat there. I don't think sliding, door, I don't think sliding Doors <laughs> won an Oscar. Um, but it is, it is the one big award ceremony that we talk about relentlessly. And as we get closer and closer to the event, it is the one thing that you know really does kind of dominate in the same way that the Oscars do in the US when you build up to that. Non-movie fans get involved in the Oscars and non-sports fans get involved in sports personality. Indeed they do. And Max, of course, as we heard, Max Whitlock is resting at the moment. It was, as he said, first time back in the gym uh, for a while. And no medal-winning members of the British gymnastics team from Tokyo will compete at this year's World Championships in Kutayashu in Japan from October the 18th. It's the first time the Worlds have been held since 2019. And there is no team event this time. So reigning bars world silver medalist Becky Downey is back in the team after being left out in Tokyo. Commonwealth champion Georgia May Fenton and 16-year-old Ruby Stacey are also competing. Unfortunately, uh, Claudia Fragapane, the world floor bronze medalist from 2017 and Glasgow 2014 champion, had been selected, but unfortunately she's had to withdraw through injury since that announcement. Courtney Tullock, Bryn Bevan, Dom Cunningham, Joshua Nathan, Hayden Skinner and Joe Kemlin-Hughes will compete in the men's events. This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast still to come. Some changes at the top of British sport, or as we would say, Great British Bosses, <laughs> our whole spin-off fe- series that you can find on our feed. On to the Winter Olympics, and another Olympic champion looking to go again is Greg Rutherford. And the man that won the London Olympic gold and won bronze in Rio is now looking to try and qualify in bobsleigh. Now, if we were to believe some of the stories uh, that we've read in recent weeks, you would imagine that Greg Rutherford's already been named in the bobsleigh team. Yeah. That is not actually the case at the moment because there are still lots of twists and turns to get to 
um, when we eventually find out who will be representing Team GB at the Winter Olympics, which are being held in Beijing early in 2022. What we do know, though, is that Greg Rutherford is very much part of the programme and very much in contention. And I mentioned earlier, didn't I, about Great Britain and, and bobsleigh. It's a sport where we've had some medal success over the years and we won a bronze medal, Team GB, at the 2014 Winter Olympics. John Jackson, uh, Bruce Tasker, Stuart Benson, Joel Fearon, though, only actually finished fifth in Sochi behind two Russian crews. Both were later disqualified for doping and they finally got awarded that bronze medal back in November 2019. And I think what has been the knock-on effect is what we've seen in bobsleigh, which is this splintering of the programme, if you like. So because they didn't get that bronze medal at the time, I mean, it's not always the case, but usually a bronze medal would equal funding and then a proper set-up programme. But because that bronze medal wasn't awarded at the time, the programme was essentially dismantled a little bit. So what you've had then is some self-funded teams, and we've got two self-funded teams going forward as far as the four-man bob is, and Greg Rutherford is part of that. What Team GB have done is they've named Bruce Tasker as their bobsleigh team leader, and that was one of the names there that I've just mentioned. So he will be the leader for the British bobsleigh programme ahead of Beijing 2022. Uh, he's made more than 100 appearances in bobsleigh for Great Britain over seven years and did win that bronze medal. And now, of course, he has to lead the team in the build-up to the Games. He will also head up that elite programme between now and Beijing. But we've got some decisions to make as far as the personnel, and Greg Rutherford is in the mix. It's very old school in, in some ways, Michael. They're being supported by the BBSA, the, the British Bobsleigh Bob and Skeleton Association, but they're not funded, as you say. But it is effectively two teams competing against each other. I think you've got uh, Team Bradley Hall with his team and, and Lamindine, who Greg Rutherford is, is in his team, uh, along with Joel uh, Fearon, as you mentioned. So they've got these two teams that are vying for different spots, a two-man spot, a four-man spot, and then you've got the women's, women's team as well, who are all self-funded as well. And in some ways, it does kind of fill your heart a little bit. It does have that kind of a, a bit more Olympic spirit that there is this and they've had to go out there and they've had to sell their sponsorship. They've had to go and generate funding so they can go and achieve. And I, I obviously you're very close friends with Greg Rutherford. You knew all about this as he's a good pal of yours. Um, but I think it's really interesting that he wants to go and do this and he's putting himself out there and hopefully for, for Team Lamin, uh, Lamin Dean, he's bringing some funding with them and it, he is an important part of the squad but he's also bringing in cash as well. Yeah, he's a high-profile figure. People know who Greg Rutherford is. He has great profile on social media. He has the full medal collection from his long jump career. And this is what irks me when people talk about Greg Rutherford's career. They say, oh, he was a bit lucky. He was a bit fluky. I mean, well, talk about being a bit lucky and a bit fluky in the Olympic Games twice to win medals at the World Championship, a European Championship and a Commonwealth Games. That's quite a lot of luck uh, and quite a lot of flukes. But what he has got, as I said then, is that chance afterwards to go and do Strictly and go and do other things. And then to join this program where obviously his speed initially is probably what attracted the team to approach him. And 
that then is a competitive advantage because we know from his long jump career how quick he is over a short period of time and that's essentially what his role will be in the bobsleigh he won't be steering it I wouldn't imagine he'll be trying to get it going at the top but he needs to train um, he won't be there just because he's Greg Rutherford all-round good guy and Olympic champion and the fact that he brings a bit of profile but it doesn't do any harm and that's the thing and what Bruce Tasker uh, will have to do now as that Olympic team leader he'll need to work with those individual crews and work with their own coaching staff and they obviously have to self-fund and you know get their their sleds to Beijing for example which they'll need to pay for themselves and they'll need to obviously qualify and get out on the circuit and we'll need to see what Greg is like there what Bruce Tasker will have to do is he'll have to keep his eye across all of them and then decide you know who presents the best medal opportunity for Great Britain if Great Britain can then win a medal in bobsleigh um, and remember the women and the men as we've said both sort of self-funded both came up short last time out if they can win a medal again like they did back in Sochi then we might see this professionalism if you like come back into the sport UK sport might pick it up again they might introduce a program but it does go back to you know when we were chatting to some of the the former olympic champions or olympic champions from the past people like adrian morehouse you know when we were doing the 21 for 21 radio series Mm. and i was saying to to adrian morehouse it was harder wasn't it (laughs) to win a medal in your day because you know he he couldn't be a professional 24 7 swimmer like Adam Peaty and, and Tom Dean have had the advantage. It was before all the UK sport and lottery funding and everything else. And that's what makes the achievement of these guys so, so good. And that's why I think so many people last summer, you know, took the BMX team to their heart because, again, they weren't on that central funding system, but they were supported financially. So it's wrong to say they're not getting any money. What they're not getting is that, that sort of guaranteed money that the elite performance programs offer. And just to say... For Greg to go and win a gold medal or a medal at a Winter Olympics, having won, as you say, two, a gold and a a bronze in in London and Rio. This is the kind of achievement that is unheard of. So six Britons, and this is according to Patrick Kidd in the Saturday Times, by the way, and I I, I loved his articles. Um, He says six Britons have been to both, a winter and, and summer. And only Eddie Egan of the US is the only double gold winning in boxing in 1920 and bobsleigh in 1932. He says five others have reached the podium at both with some odd blends of sailing and ski jump and baseball and speed skating. And then this is my favourite bit. Rutherford, however, would be the first to win medals at the winter and summer games and compete in Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs> well, well, that would be a magnificent achievement. I think maybe win a silver at the Winter Olympics, then he can go to Johnny Brownlee and go, Olympics, winter and summer, completed it, mate. Gold, <laughs> silver and bronze. Well, it seems the Winter Olympic rules will be even tighter for COVID in six months' time in Beijing, with China and the IOC, IPC, agreeing rules that include all athletes must be fully vaccinated or, get this, will face a 21-day quarantine before the event in China. Now, my question is, is that quarantine without training? Because when we know some of the British athletes who got a, a ping on their way to Tokyo, they had to quarantine or self, self-isolate, but they were still allowed to train. I think the word quarantine would suggest that you are 21 days 
not doing literally anything in a hotel room. Now, if that is the case, how on earth do you build up for a world-class sporting event and try and compete at your very best before that event? I think that's a huge question mark and it is pushing more and more people. And look, I, I've said it so many times. I don't understand why people don't get vaccinated. If you can have a freer life and you can protect other people, then uh, I don't understand why they're not doing it. But if you don't, then you are effectively 21 days in China. And they've also agreed that spectators can attend, unlike in Tokyo, but only those that live on mainland China. Two great British bosses, people who run sport in this country, have announced they are stepping away after Tokyo. Rowing CEO Andy Parkinson has announced his resignation after six years and follows the first Olympics since 1980 that Great Britain didn't win a gold medal in rowing. They did win two in the Paralympics, of course. Uh, Now Andy Parkinson says he's looking at exploring new opportunities. And after 15 years, the CEO of Badminton England, that's Adrian Christie, who I think had the honour of being the very first boss interviewed on Great British Bosses from Anything But Footy, he's announced his departure. He described his time there as an honour and a privilege. We know Adrian well. We know that he loved supporting the sport of badminton. I think we can't underestimate the terrific work he did during the pandemic in ensuring funding and support for badminton as well. Secured a lot of money uh, to try and get badminton back after the subsequent lockdowns. And after seeing badminton win medals at the first Paralympics, it was a new para sport this time around, he decided the time was right and he leaves immediately from the organisation based in Milton Keynes. We thank him and we wish him we luck. We do. We do. The full-scale London Marathon returned at the weekend, and what a sight it was. After last year's elite-only races around St James's Park, thousands took to the usual streets of the capital as the mass participation event returned, and so many others as well, virtually running. I, we talked about Harpenden earlier. I saw someone going up and down the high street with a little London Marathon number on as they were going up and down. It was like, wow, it was incredible. Anyway, Ethiopia's Cissé Lima won the men's race. Jocelyn Chepkowski of Kenya won the women's event and there was a Swiss double in the wheelchair races with Marcel Hoog and Manuela Shah both crossing the finishing line first. For Britain, Charlotte Perdue, who missed out on Olympic selection, somewhat controversially, uh, finished 10th in a personal best time. She was the first Brit home And junior doctor Phil Sessaman, very uh, apt for this year's running, finished seventh in the men's race. He was the first British male home. The 29-year-old works in Leeds, only completed his first half marathon six weeks ago and is more used to track running. Now, Michael, you and I know we don't really get into split times and that kind of thing uh, in in our coverage of Olympic sport. But I wanted to highlight this. Charlotte Perdue, in her personal best, ran the first half of the marathon in one hour, 11 minutes and 44 seconds, helped by Ailish McColgan, who was pacing her. The second half, one hour, 11 minutes and 43 seconds. That is consistency. That's brilliant, isn't it? Next year's London Marathon will be in October again in 2022 after the World European and Commonwealth Games, of course. The big half also in London has been pencilled in for September the 4th, starting at Tower Bridge and ending at Cutty Sark. I actually think the Autumn Marathon is quite a good idea because, you know, bearing in mind some of the big news stories that we've been witness to over the past week or so, the thought of people training for the marathon with lighter mornings and lighter evenings and not having to train through the cold, wet winter months, uh, I think actually brings a little bit of, of 
sensibility perhaps to the scheduling of the London Marathon in the autumn. So for me, I would keep it there. Entries aren't open yet, but register on the website and you'll get a note when they do. Congratulations to Lizzie Dynan on her historic win in the famous Paris-Roubaix race on Saturday. It was the first time a women's event has been staged. Now, the men have been competing since 1896. Unbelievable. Her prize money was just £1,300 compared to 26000 for the men's champion. Lizzie is currently in action in the Women's Tour of Britain as well, if you fancy seeing her. Also competing is Joss Loudon, who broke the prestigious hour record last week, and other British stars, including Alice and Hannah Barnes. Yeah, well done to Lizzie. Fantastic historic win, as you say. It's a start, but there's a long, long way to go. And staying with cycling, the 2022 HSBC UK National Track Championships will be held at the Garrett Thomas National Velodrome of Wales in Newport. From the 28th to the 30th of January next year, it will be the first to take place outside of Manchester since 1994. The home of British cycling, of course, the Velodrome at Manchester, is to undergo a £26 million refurbishment starting in early 2022. will be shut for about a year. It was built, of course, in preparation for the Commonwealth Games which were held in Manchester in 2002. After winning a record third medal in consecutive Olympics, Great Britain and England women have a new hockey coach. David Ralph has stepped up as head coach, having been assistant during the summer in Tokyo. During the four and a half years in the job, he was also an interim charge when England won the Euro Hockey Bronze in 2017. So good luck to him and the women's squad. Judo, the first medal won by Team GB in Tokyo, of course, and now winning medals again. Sam Hall picked up gold at the Zagreb Grand Prix as part of the International Judo Federation's World Tour. The former European junior silver medalist competing for the first time on the tour since 2017 beat the Italian in the final of the under 60 kilograms category. And we finish with a couple of bits of news. Firstly, one of our... Anything but footy friends. Windsurfer Saskia Sills joined us when we did our live broadcast from Superpod for Sport Relief just before the first lockdown in Southampton. Saskia has now won a bronze medal in the Foil World Championships and Foil Windsurfing is part of the programme for the next Olympic Games in Paris in 2024. So congratulations to Saskia and there are also medals for Finn Hawkins in the Under-21 event and silvers for Eileen Whitwatson and Matt Barton. And to finish, another one of our anything but footy friends, Jasmine Joyce inspired more British success as GB women won the Fast Four Rugby Sevens finals in Canada. That meant they also won the overall title as the season was shortened to just two events this year. And in equestrian at the European Eventing Championships, Nicola Wilson of North Yorkshire won her first individual international title as part of an all-British podium. That meant a team gold, which also meant Great Britain are now the reigning Olympic world and European champions. Amazing. Now, as ever, you can get in touch, anything but footy on Twitter. That's anything but F on Twitter. Or you can message us on Insta or Facebook. Our website is anythingbutfooty.com. Or you can email anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. We want to hear who is going to win Sports Personality of the Year. And I think Max Whitlock said it best as far as Sports Personality of the Year is concerned. It's fine. It has its place. Lots of people like talking about it. Many fine sportsmen and not enough sportswomen have been given the award, and rightly so. But what better reward, what bigger reward than being part of the answer, being part of that solution to how to make a healthier and fitter nation? Max, Tom Daly, Hannah Cockcroft, Sarah Storey, Lauren Price, Lee Pearson, all worthy winners in 2021. 
they could all be Sports Personality of the Year. But they're names that I've picked particularly because I think they're all aware of their responsibility in society and the platform that sport brings them. Health, education, sport, join them up and we could just head to the second half of this century in a much better place. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.